Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Getting dressed for success sounds great until you see that your clothes are wrinkled. The Conair Turbo Extreme Steam Steam and Iron 2-in-1 is your solution. It's the most powerful handheld steamer with advanced heat technology, so it obliterates wrinkles with turbocharged dry steam quickly and easily. It's ready almost instantly and also works without steam as a dry iron. To get your wrinkle solution today, go to Amazon and search for Conair Turbo Extreme Steam and look for the Steam and Iron 2-in-1. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime, from unsolved cold cases to historic kidnapping to gangsters and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I am your host, Larry Lease. And on today's episode, on another Cold Case Friday, we dive into the unsolved murder of actor Wilton Etherstone. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Poddex, for sponsoring this episode. If you're looking to grow your audience and get more engagement with your podcast, come check out Poddex at poddex.com and use the promo code Larry21 for 10% off your order. And of course, as always, we'd also like to thank Audible for sponsoring this episode. If you're looking for your next great audiobook to read, check out Audible and get a free audiobook of your choice at audibletrial.com slash Larry21. And of course, you can be a part of the show by sending us a voicemail at 682-305-0483. Let us know your thoughts on the cases we covered. Is there something we missed? Something that we should update? Or you just have a general comment on our show? Let us know. Send us a voicemail. You could be featured on the next episode. And now on to the confusing murder of actor Weldon Atherstone. In 1910, two murders of those in the theatrical trade occurred. There were similarities in the details as fame visited both the actors after their demise. 
Neither had reached any level of stardom before the mystery of their murder became front-page news. However, the ending to the murders was very different. The first of these murders was that of Belle Elmore. Her dismembered body was dug up from the cellar floor on Hilldrop Crescent in London. She was the wife of Dr. Crippen, who had, who had himself vanished. He was found bound for Quebec on the ship SS Montrose with his love, Ethel Leneve. Hopefully I'm saying that right. The United Kingdom repatriated him and he was tried and executed. The story is famous even today. Many might have heard of Dr. Crippen, even if they did not realize why. This second case, though, proved to be even stranger than the case of Elmore and Crippen. Weldon Atherstone was an out-of-work actor who had a little success finding a job when he died. He was found dead on a rear doorstep flat in Battersea on July 16th, 1910. The first that residents knew about the death was when a local chauffeur driving in the area at 21.30 heard two gunshots. He then observed a man jumping the fences of the gardens and fleeing. The man was 23 to 30 and was 5 foot 6. Being so alarmed with what he had seen, he drove straight to the police and told them what he knew. The local officer, officer went back with the man to search the area. When they arrived, they found three flats. The ground floor was empty and was being redecorated. Their first floor was occupied, and the top apartment owners were away. The policeman knocked on the first floor flat, and it was opened by the owner, Elizabeth Earl. She was in her 40s and entertaining 21-year-old Thomas Anderson. The couple appeared unconcerned about the shots they had heard. They stated while they were enjoying supper, they heard two shots. They had looked out the window and spotted a man jumping the fence. Thinking it was a neighbor chasing away a robber, they returned to supper, presuming someone else would call the incident in. Well, that's reassuring. The policeman asked if it would be okay to use their back door to examine the garden below. Neither objected. Anderson followed the policeman down the stairs. They searched the garden and found no trace of light. Or of a fight, excuse me. While walking back to the stairs, Anderson discovered the body of Atherstone. On discovery, Atherstone was still breathing, although it was labored. The policeman ordered that someone fetch a doctor to try and save the dying man. Anderson asked the chauffeur to do this as he had been waiting outside the flats. As the doctor arrived, they could do little for him. Atherstone died at 22.20, having never regained consciousness. Atherstone had been shot through the right side of his face. He also had a wound on his left temple. His eye was hanging out on his cheek. Strangely, he was dressed in carpet slippers. The policeman asked Anderson if he recognized the body, to which he replied he did not. Why this man was wearing slippers had been killed in an empty flat was a mystery. Detective Inspector Badcock was employed to help solve the crime. When he arrived, he searched the man. He found an empty glasses case letters that helped identify the victim, business cards, a red diary containing details of a relationship, keys, and strangely, a homemade cosh in his back pocket. A search of the flat found a pair of broken glasses, bullet fragments from one of the shots, and signs of a struggle with blood drops and smashed items. The mystery of how Atherstone had gotten into the flat was quickly solved. The builders, when renovated the flat, had tied a piece of string to the latch so they could access the property. It was this that Atherstone had used to gain entry to the flat. While these in initial inquiries were going on, Thomas Anderson was eager to get home and approached the police several times, asking if he could leave. 
he was told not yet. On one of these occasions, he returned to the garden where the body was. The young policeman with the body asked if Anderson knew anyone by the name of Atherstone. Having just found the ID cards, Anderson replied only, Someone named Weldon Atherstone? He's my father. He was arrested on the spot, having failed to recognize his father the first time looking at the body. Once at the station, Anderson became quite distressed when he realized his father had been the victim. He was questioned and later taken to see the body, where he made a formal identification. Weldon Atherstone was the stage name for Thomas Weldon Anderson. He had been 47 when he was murdered. Atherstone had been estranged from his wife for many years. The couple had four children, two sons and two daughters, of which Thomas Anderson, 21, was the eldest. Both sons, it appeared, had followed their father from Manchester to London. Police went back, but this time to question Elizabeth Earle, as she could either provide Anderson with an alibi or be part of the murder. When they asked Earl if she knew of Weldon Atherstone, she broke down in tears and admitted he had been her lover for many years. The couple had fallen out two months ago, and Atherstone had moved out of their shared flat. However, she stated that she had known his son for years and supported his story of hearing the gunshots and seeing a man fleeing the scene. She stated that Atherstone had been a very jealous man. That was what they had fallen out about. She said he had been hit by a motor car two years before death, causing a concussion. Since then, his behavior had changed. His jealous streak had increased. She had not seen him for several weeks. She stated that sometimes father and son had visited her together. Although Anderson was unaware of the relationship between his father and Earl, thinking they were just friends. Inquiries had pro proved that father and son had a good relationship, as did that of younger brother William Anderson, who was 16. William had spent the two weeks before the murder staying with his father during school holidays. He too knew Earl had, and had visited her with his father. Why, if the family was so close, did Thomas not recognize his father? He stated to the police that the light from the lamps had not been good when he first viewed the body. He also said that the powder mark from the first shot had given the impression of a mustache. His father was clean-shaven. It was also the simple fact that Thomas had not expected to see his father there, so that he, so he had never considered that it might be him lying on the ground. Neither boy knew the extent of their father's relationship with Earl. However, both knew that when looking for work in London, Atherstone would stay with her. During the investigation, several other witnesses had come forward to state they had seen a man fleeing the scene. All of them were questioned, and everyone categorically stated it had not been Anderson they had seen. Examination of the clothes the couple wore at the time also supported the fact that they had not been in the garden and certainly not scaled a wall to run away. The timeline also meant that Anderson couldn't have fled the scene and returned for supper before the police arrived. The police had a little to go on. The facts they knew was that a 47-year-old man had been shot twice outside an empty flat while his son and lover dined together, unaware he was there. They also knew they had changed into slippers when he arrived placing his boots on brown paper in the empty flat. He had gone to the flat expecting violence as he had a weapon. The man fleeing the scene was observed to have nothing in his hand. No gun had been found. A struggle occurred at the crime scene and Atherstone was shot. The first bullet had grazed off his teeth and had been fr found fragmented in the flat, but unfortunately the second shot had eventually been fatal. Had Atherstone been meeting someone he expected to turn violent, 
So why had he chosen the flat below his liver on the day he knew she was entertaining his son to meet up? Examining the red diary on Atherstone's body made it clear that he had been obsessed with Earl and finding out who she was seeing. His jealousy had gone to a point where he was convinced she was being unfaithful and needed to find out who with. In the diary, he had documented watching her consistently since they had split or split up. He had also recorded some of their lives together. So intimate were the details that not all of them were ever released to the public. Earl also mentioned that there had been several robberies in the area at the time of Atherstone's death. With high poverty and no social security, many men returned to crimes to feed their families. This, however, did not explain why Atherstone had gone to the flat with a weapon. It was clear that he was expected trouble. Babcock supported all the statements of the witness at the inquest, including that of Anderson and Earl. The verdict was ruled as willful murder by person or some persons unknown. Gee, thanks, Captain Obvious. Some surmised that it was a robbery gone wrong. Other, others believed that somehow Anderson had killed his father. Others would suggest that the brothers had murdered their father, their father together. It was William that had been seen fleeing the scene. The, mur uh, the motive for the murder, excuse me, was jealousy as Thomas was in love with Elizabeth Earl and needed his father out of the way. To this day, the murder remains unsolved as the police had no evidence. So what happened to Wilden Atherstone? Having examined the evidence, many, including myself, believe that the murder was a combination of these two theories. Atherstone was obsessed with discovering who Elizabeth Earl was seeing behind his back. He was following her continuously to see who she was meeting. Knowing that Thomas was visiting her that night, I believe he thought his love rival might be his son. He had gone to the ground floor flat to observe the couple, changing into slippers so he could walk around the flat unheard by the two occupants upstairs. From here, he would have been able to know where the couple were by their movements. Having heard them enter the bedroom, he would sneak into the flat and challenge the pair. The weapon he made was used on his love rival, even if that was his son. The key found in his pocket matched Earl's flat. She was unaware he had cut himself a key. While lying in wait downstairs, he had disturbed a burglar who knew the top floor residents were away and wanted to rob them. When the thief and Atherstone came face to face, a struggle ensued and Atherstone was shot. The thief runs away, taking the weapon with him. Whether Thomas Anderson and Elizabeth Earl were in a relationship has never been proven. However, it is not beyond expectations that 40-year-old Earl may have been having an affair with a younger man. Earl moved to Australia shortly after the inquest to live with her brother. This is only one theory for a case that has confused experts for years and remains unsolved. What do you think happened to Weldon Atherstone? Let us know in the comments section below. And as always, give us a thumbs up if you like our videos. Subscribe to the channel for even more content. And hit that bell notification button to be notified when we have new videos. And as always, if you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS. Your support helps the channel grow, upgrade our equipment, and bring in new hosts and pay them. So as always, thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you next time. You have been listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast and on Twitter at True Crime NS. And follow us on Instagram at True Crime Never Sleeps. Thanks for watching. If you want to support the show, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS or become a patron at patreon.com slash True Crime Never Sleeps.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.